the call to gospel ministry. That is the topic of today's ReChurch. Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Thank you so much for joining us on our next episode of GFA's podcast, ReChurch. Today, we have the privilege of interviewing Forrest and Jennifer McPhail. Forrest and Jennifer, thank you for joining us, and we're glad to have you here. In the beginning, I want y'all just to tell our audience a little bit about your background, uh, where you're from, where your field of service is now, and what you're doing. So Forrest, tell us um, your, your hometown, where you went to school. Okay, I am from Schaumburg, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago, and I went off to Bob Jones University for Bible school, uh, studying for the ministry, and at Bob Jones University, that is where I met Jennifer, and Jennifer is from? Sylvania, Georgia. What part of Georgia? Sylvania. Sylvania, okay. So where is Sylvania, Georgia? About an hour from Savannah and Augusta. Got it, okay, in between there. All right, y'all been married how long? 22 years. Uh, and children, how many? Uh, four children, two boys, two girls, ages between 10 and 20. Wow. Now, your current field of service, where in the culture you're ministering in right now, so far as where is that? We're serving in Cambodia, which is in Southeast Asia. Cambodia is a folk Buddhist, animist, spirit-worshipping, ancestor-worshipping kind of context. Hmm. And how long have y'all been there? Jennifer, how long? 18 years. 18 years in Cambodia. Yeah. Now, have y'all served in any other country? You know? No, okay. just briefly in Thailand. Okay. And right now, your current role, you're also supporting missionaries in other countries as well. What are some of those countries as far as? The Philippines, South Korea, China, uh, Thailand, and Cambodia, Vietnam, Papua New Guinea, New Zealand, Australia. Oh, that part Taiwan. of the world. All right. So needless to say, y'all are busy. What I want to discuss today, one of Forrest's burdens is for people to understand the call of the ministry. All right, so we understand that uh, the church recognizes a call, but how does a man discern, Forrest, how does a man discern the call of ministry and what is that? How would you define that? The way I understand it is beyond just being qualified and God's people seeing that you have gifts for teaching or preaching uh, would be a burning desire to do something about uh, the ministry of the gospel, a, a strong desire to take part and um, go with it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in your life, uh, a little of the circumstances when you had that, that moving of God to do this, how old were you? What were the circumstances? Was this something, a process uh, over time? What brought you to that conclusion? I came to Christ when I was 12, and I was going to a Christian school at the time. And when I came to the Lord, about the same time, I was very burdened to go into the ministry. And there was a what they called a preacher boys class there in the Christian school. And I took part in that, and it was just uh, a given to me. I knew that the Lord wanted me to pursue gospel ministry. It was not uh, something that I was uh, doubting. So this is an internal burden the Spirit of God yes. laid on your heart. And it came pretty soon after salvation? Right. 
And I'm sure you've dealt with missionaries that, that had come at a, a separate time. You? Yes. So, but it's the same internal story right. of the work of God. Now, Jennifer, in what point in your life did you realize Forrest, okay, is God's choice for your husband? And did you have a burden for the mission field or anything like that before you met Forrest? Just tell our audience a little bit about how God worked in your heart. In my case, I was in a pastor's home all growing up, and I loved it. Hmm. My parents did a great job of showing the joys of the ministry as well as the challenges. And so I was very interested in that even when I went uh, to Bob Jones to school. Uh, I actually got to a point in my junior year where I needed to surrender that Hmm. strong desire that I had to do exactly what my parents had done and just to surrender to the Lord that I would do whatever he wanted me to do. And it wasn't until after I surrendered to that that the Lord brought Forrest and I together. And our initial burden was not for cross-cultural ministry. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. First, when when we got married, our initial burden was church planning in the western United States. Hmm. And so that's what we assumed we would be pursuing. Uh, But then the Lord just strongly brought to my attention at one point in grad school, why am I not giving cross-cultural church planning equal weight in my thinking about the possibilities of the future. Why am I only thinking stateside? Now, was that from a class you took or just your awareness of of the need? I mean, was there a particular, because a lot of of men and women, when they battle the call, okay, or not battle the call, but when they understand God's calling on them, and then they're trying to figure out where to serve, and that's what was going on in your life. So was, was this from a class you took, conversations, your prayer life, exposure to more cross-cultural ministry. What what did God use to, to lay that on your heart? Well, it was a process, and I believe in my undergrad studies, uh, the influence of men like Bruce McAllister really making a call for uh, men to consider church planting, okay. particularly out west, and that really resonated with me in my heart. And so because of my desire to do that kind of ministry, uh, I assume that's what we would do. But I would always avail myself of opportunities also all through school to talk to mission directors, missionaries, whenever there was a missions emphasis and they had tables set up or something. I was always talking to the various people representing uh, various opportunities. And so when the Lord began to work in my heart, I don't even know how it got started, but uh, I believe I went to Mark Vowles and I said, I'm considering cross-cultural missions. Where should I start with this process? And he said, start reading. Oh. He said, just start reading and see what the Lord does. So I went straight to the library. I got the CIA World Factbook, started flipping through the countries of the world, <laughs> and uh, spent a long time just absorbing what I was looking at. And I was just overwhelmed by what I was looking at in regards to Asia. And so then we began to pray about the possibility of Asia, and there's a story that goes with the rest of that that yeah. probably shouldn't get into now. Okay, all right. <laughs> but again, as, but you were just taking the next step That's you right. need to take to determine God's will. Right. But you were taking those steps. You weren't standing still. You were waiting for God to move, but at the same time, you're doing your part. Okay, so let's go from the call of the gospel ministry. And I know you have a, uh, I've heard you give a, a challenge on this, that really the call can also be a call to suffering to willingly embrace uh, hardships that come our way. Hmm. 
you're going cross-culturally with a family of four children, your wife going into a whole different, I mean, you described a little bit of Cambodia in the beginning, but talk to me both uh, from all aspects of what you're calling here is a call to suffering. Just take the next minutes of this podcast and talk to our audience about what the Lord has taught you through this. I think it's very important. Well, I'm very burdened to communicate about this point, and I hope I do it well. (laughs) When we say we are called to gospel ministry, often a person who is thinking about that will be thinking primarily about pulpit ministry, and they will be thinking about evangelism. But anyone who's a pastor that's listening to this or a missionary with any experience, understands that ministry of the gospel goes way beyond preaching and teaching on Sundays and and evangelistic opportunities. And when you read the New Testament, you see the Apostle Paul especially emphasizing to us that the call to the, to the ministry is a call to suffering. And what I mean by that is anyone that gives themselves over to laboring for Christ in the gospel taking up a spiritual leadership, leading God's people, someone who's giving themselves in a special way towards evangelism, anyone that goes that direction, they are taking up the cross of Christ in a way that goes beyond the normal Christian experience. They become a special target of Satan's uh, wiles and temptations. They become a target for opposition. They become someone that is resisted. They have to deal with Christians in sin. They have to deal with those that uh, hate the gospel, hate Christ. Suffering has to do with every way that a man or woman voluntarily makes themselves vulnerable in ways they didn't have to because they are a servant of the gospel. Okay, so as we look at the life of Paul, I think some passages that immediately come to your mind with this suffering would be, which which ones, if our audience is taking out of the scriptures right now, where would they turn? Where would you tell them to go? Second Corinthians, to me, is key. Yeah. Chapter 1, 4, 6, and 11. All right, Second Corinthians 1, 4, 6, and 11. Correct. And some of those passages that are there, because where I want to go with this, all right, so this is describing Paul's suffering, right. what he went through in the gospel. And I want you to follow that with, okay, Forrest and Jennifer, what does that look like today? Okay, we may not be shipwrecked, but we are what? You know, we may not be in a dungeon. We may not be in shackles, but we are. Okay, so Forrest, if you would take a few minutes and just go through a few of those verses that just come to your heart. I mean, just rapid fire, boom, boom. And then both of you comment, all right, as a couple laboring in the field of Cambodia with four children in a dark culture. Okay. What does that look like? Well, Paul says, death is at work in us, but life, it brings life to you. So Paul says, I put myself to death, self-sacrifice, self-discipline. I die to self. And because I do that, uh, the effect of that is my ability to preach the gospel so that other people can have life. I must sacrifice that others might have life. Mm -hmm. And that's what Paul says. Now, what does that sacrifice look like? For Paul, it meant a lot of immediate persecution that was violence. 
between the uh, beatings, rods, jail, prison, stonings, these kinds of things. But when you read uh, about all of what Paul says about the sufferings that he endured for the gospel, he's talking about the emotional turmoil as well, the distresses, the perplexities, the hardships, the afflictions, uh, facing opposition inside the church and outside the church. He's talking about dangers in the city, in the countryside, shipwrecks. He's talking about hunger and exposure to the elements. And he's talking about all of these things that are not persecution issues, but they're ways that he laid himself open. He took risks and was vulnerable in order for the gospel to go forward. And everyone that serves the gospel does this. They make themselves far more vulnerable to pain. So Paul's writing this to the Corinthian church. He says, I'm dying for your sake. All right, so Jennifer, as y'all are living this out in a remote area, sometimes isolated, four children, what does that to our pastor's wives and missionaries' wives listening, what does that look like to you? I would say that there are things that we have faced that have been different than what we thought we would face. I think we thought that we would live in a very difficult way with our standard of living because right. we were going to a third world country. And we have faced some of those kinds of challenges, but there have been dangers physically and things that our children have faced physically. Right, no, physically, let's back up a minute. You mean okay. like sickness? Do you mean uh, spiritual oppression with sickness? Expand that just uh, just a moment, just briefly. Right. Uh, sickness, more vulnerability to accidents oh, okay. because of mm-hmm. the kind of mm-hmm. a place that we live in. More dangerous culture. Yes. Okay. I'm more more uh, danger than I think if we had lived in a little bit more insulated place. And these things, some of them were not what we expected, but I wanted to say it has been amazing to us how this has opened up opportunities for us. We've really seen how it communicates the nature of the gospel because Christ makes us weak. Mm. And we're in a place where the people think that we Americans have everything. Okay. We come uh, from a very strong point. So every time that we are faced with weakness and coming at our conversations with them from a position of weakness, we've actually found that it helps bridge mm. those gaps that make them find it difficult to receive the message. That's great. Now, first on Second Corinthians 12, you're talking about Second Corinthians. So we, we got Paul's thorn in the flesh. So I'm kind of picking up on what Jennifer was saying. So just your experience with your family in Cambodia serving 18 years, the thorn in the flesh, the great promise that Christ gave Paul, that my grace is sufficient for you. You want to talk through that a little bit in real life situations? Or How long is this podcast again? <laughs> we, got, we got about five minutes. So any, or, or maybe another passage. I'm just trying to bring to life exactly right. what Jennifer just said. Other passage, because you said it so well. Paul said, I'm dying for your sake that you may live. So, well, going to Cambodia, we were signing on the dotted line. I am going to get sick a lot. Uh, because Cambodia was a post-war country at that time, and sickness was rampant, and we went out to the province. And so we suffered a lot of illness just in general. But then one year, Jennifer was extremely ill, and we were coming close to coming off the field. And then I uh, had 
uh, a bad illness that basically hurt me uh, from then all the way till today. And it really took me from a type A personality, young man who could do just about anything, it seemed, to having extreme physical limitations and being very beat up and in lots of pain for years. And that caused me to lean on Christ in weakness and our family to learn what it means to depend on Christ. And that experience of great weakness in the suffering of illness, as she was saying, meant a lot to the people that we were serving because a lot of them were suffering from illness as well. It showed that we were human. It showed that we were weak. We didn't quit and go home. We continued to serve. Uh, We strove to serve the gospel and to disciple them and to help them no matter how low we were, no matter how much we were suffering. And they saw that. Hmm. And they knew that that was of grace. So tell me, just kind of in closing, so grace, all right, specific promises you relied upon. How did you find God's grace empowering you and comforting you so then you may become a comfort to others? Any comments on that? I know this is a very personal conversation. When I was at my lowest and every single thing I did in a day was a a prayer for mercy, I realized more, much more of what God can do. Mm. I was to where I couldn't even barely get up off of the mat on the floor to function in my house, just writhing in pain for hours and hours from this illness, and yet crying out to God to give me strength to get up, walk outside, get on my motorcycle, drive out to these people's house some miles away, get off my motorcycle and be able to preach the Word of God to them and and, uh, teach them what it means to follow Christ. And then praying my way all the way back home that I not fall off the motorcycle and get back home, fall back down on the mat and writhe in pain again on the floor. Hmm. Uh, trying to have Bible studies with, with multiple people and not being able to prepare because I, I couldn't concentrate and I was in too much pain and praying the whole time just to be able to have a topic to, to speak on and seeing God answer that prayer when I would get to someone's house and see God work in those people's lives and realizing God doesn't need much. He doesn't need much at all. <laughs> God can do this. God can do this. And when you say that um, there is the physical affliction, the people you're ministering to personally witnessed, that an American is not, you know, somehow super physical, that these afflictions don't hit them. But also, you learned lessons, both of you learned lessons about the grace of Christ to sustain you. Is that a fair way to say it? That's right. So I know there are many pastors and missionaries and their families that go through a lot of suffering. So I just want to thank you for kind of bearing your heart. And really, first, I've heard you do a summary of 2 Corinthians. And, and so I would almost challenge our listeners so the, again, those chapters, Forrest again, Second Corinthians. Oh, 1, 4, 6, and 11. 1, 4, 6, and 11. And 12. And 12. If you have any questions or you would like to talk to Forrest uh, by email, if you'd email me and I will forward it to him, my email address is mfant at gfamissions.org. Because Forrest and Jennifer, I know this message is going to resonate with people that are desperate for this grace. 
And I just want to thank you for opening up on a very difficult season. Really, a theology of suffering. That's not fun to talk about. But it's a great chance to see the grace of God empower mm-hmm. both of you. Any words, either one of you want to say in closing, Jennifer and Forrest? I mean, I, I can look at you. I know this is emotional, just mm-hmm. working back through this. I am grateful to God for the suffering that I have had with this illness. I could not have been taught these things another way. And I believe there are ways that God's grace cannot be known apart from suffering, sometimes deep suffering. And that's why God allows it, because his grace gets magnified in your soul through that suffering. And so for a minister of the gospel, for someone committed to gospel ministry, that depth of knowledge of God's grace to comfort and enable amidst suffering is so valuable, even when maybe for a long time it is hard to accept. So really, in summary, the call to gospel ministry is a call to suffer. It's a call for suffering. Therefore, God's word is sufficient. And I want to thank you all for just bearing your heart. I want to thank Sarah Hartwig for all her editing she does. And Forrest and Jennifer, thank you for being here. And again, thank you for the wonderful challenge on the call of gospel ministry and the call to suffering. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.